Alright, alright. What is up? Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast, my beautiful listener. New week, which means new episode. Last week, we had somewhat of a off week as we checked out the start of the new NHL season and the first round results of the Champions League. But this week, we head back to the office. My first thought was that we should check out the prospects around the AHL and the European leagues, but I decided to ditch that idea for the foreseeable future and let that thought marinate some more until teams have played more than a handful of games to actually make any assumptions, conclusions or calculations about their progress. But you can expect to see that episode sometime in the near future because I will most certainly dive into that topic as many of the exciting prospects have had convincing starts to their seasons. Rather, this week we will go through the absolutely stacked UFC 267 and 268 fight cards which feature light heavyweight, welterweight, women's strawweight and bantamweight title bouts and overall many intriguing matchups which I just couldn't pass on without any acknowledgement. And when I say stacked, I really do mean it. Namajunas, Wei Li, Gaethje, Chandler, Blahovic, Teixeira, Jan, Sanhagen, Mahachev, Hooker, Volkov, and Shimaev, all in the octagon within one week. Absolute banana lands. Oh yeah, and of course, Makwan Amirkani steps into the octagon this weekend as well. So if you haven't paid any attention to the sport so far, now is the time to do so, because it doesn't get much better than this. And I can't remember when was the last time we saw Aztec lineups in back-to-back weekends. So I highly suggest taking a moment to appreciate this special moment in the MMA scene. But that is a good enough intro in my mind, so let's get this thing started. Without further ado, let's get going. Okay, bud. Before we move to the UFC, let's clear out the latest NHL headlines with quick fashion. Chicago is a complete and utter pile of trash. My quote of the day, great deal you made with Columbus. Cole Stillinger, Jake Bean and Adam Boquist for hugely overpaid pylon. Top-notch investment, only eight years remaining. Toronto struggles continue as Mitch Marner revealed his off-season routine, how the tape is thick, that at least seems to be working for him. Also, Tavares plates are made out of melting steel, which explains his speed, or more so, the lack of it. And their highlight of the week was losing to Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, you might be asking, Janne, what is surprising about that? Well, little Timmy, the pens were missing. Sidney Crosby, Yevgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, Jeff Carter and Chris Letang. And yeah, the score was 7-1 to for the Pens, as 
Evan Rodriguez was their first line center, and Leafs' fourth line was responsible for their only goal. At least Austin Matthews scored just a few nights ago, but still, get your sh** together already. I'm getting tired of making fun of you, even though the Habs are even worse, but at least they are missing some key pieces, which somewhat explains it. What else? Guchero will undergo surgery and should be back within three months, so fairly good news for the Bolts. Drew Doughty will be out for at least eight weeks because of a knee injury. Panthers are a wagon in surprise of absolutely no one. Vegas extended Zach Whitecloud for the next six years. Cam Atkinson is making a name for himself in Philly. Ovi is bound for an 82-goal season. And McJesus is on pace for 170 points. Keep the change. Freddie Anderson finally stops pucks behind a competent defense. Andrew Mangiapane is the best kept secret in the league. I hyped this guy up months ago, so you don't get to act surprised. You knew that. And lastly, Stan Bowman resigned from the Blackhawks. Joel Quinville packed his bags and left Florida. So next up on the chopping block is Kevin Sheveldayoff. The unfortunate Kyle Beach case has been all over the media in recent days, so I won't go into detail about that story. If you want to educate yourself about it, I'm sure you can find a lot of articles about it. It is extremely sad one, and for sure not the only one. Only thing I want to say though is that hopefully all participants of this case get what they deserve since it is terrible to see these things come up and all the love for Kyle Beach for stepping forward with his battles as people get to see the dirty side of the league which they are trying to keep tightly under the wraps. Now that the path is set I hope that more people come out and force the NHL to take responsibility for their actions as Robin Lehner and Beach have now done. So just keep on going, you have our support. But that's it for the NHL this week. Next week we should be back with some more NHL action, even though I feel like I summarized last week's headlines with a pretty slick fashion. Nevertheless, all you hockey junkies, that's all you get this week. But stay put, because you are going to like the remaining content. Let's head to see what we got in store for the UFC. And here we go. Two stacked UFC cards up ahead in back-to-back weeks. And this week's main event is none other than the light heavyweight title bout between the champion Jan the Polish Hammer Blachowicz and number one ranked contender Clover Teixeira. Blachowicz comes into this fight with the win in his previous title defense against Israel Adesanya. This time he will face the seasoned veteran who has a five-fight winning streak with most recent victories against other contenders Anthony Lionheart-Smith and Thiago Santos. Teixeira brings an interesting element to the fight because of his very strong jiu-jitsu background, but this might be his final goal for the title. The guy is, after all, 41 years old. And this will be his 40th professional fight. But like I said, compared to Jan's last fight, Teixeira brings completely different challenge to the table. He has the experience, size and skills to challenge the champion, especially 
if the fight goes to the ground. He after all has three submission victories in his last five fights, so Jan needs to bring his A-game if he wants to stay as the division champ. This will be, believe it or not, their first fight against each other, but even though Teixeira brings different challenge than what Izzy was able to put out in his fight against the champ, Blahovic is the clear-cut favorite in this fight. The Polish Hammer has proved his value as the champ and will challenge Teixeira with his strong stand-up game and deadly right hand. He overpowered his way on the ground in his previous match, but this time the challenge will be different and Jan needs to keep his composure even if he ends up on the ground with Teixeira. This will be a very intriguing matchup between the two white heavyweights, but unfortunately I don't think that Teixeira has enough in him to claim the title from the Polish hammer. He has had almost a year-long break from fighting, which to me gives a huge advantage to Jan as well. That's why my prediction is that Blahovic will win this fight via TKO in the third round. The Polish hammer will retain his title and we will see if both fighters are done with their MMA careers after this fight. But let's see who we got in the co-main event. And if the main event was something to look for, so is the co-main event. And to be completely honest, I'm even more looking forward to this fight than the main event itself. In the co-main event, we have former bantamweight champion Peter Jan going up against Corey Sandman Sandhagen. And I mean, can you expect anything less than absolute fireworks show? A simple answer is no. And even though Sterling versus Jan was said to be the fight this weekend, Sandhagen came to replace Sterling for the interim bantamweight title. Aljamain's neck injury prevented their match and thus allowed these two to face up against each other this weekend in the United Arab Emirates. Some of you might remember how that fight ended between Jan and Sterling, but if you don't, let me remind you. The fight ended in the fourth round after Jan hit Sterling with an illegal knee to the head, while Sterling was halfway on the ground, and with the disqualification, Sterling became the bantamweight champion. Jan dominated that fight and it is still unclear what resulted that illegal knee. Was it frustration or just misfortune? Don't know, but he is now back in action and ready to take on one of the most dexterous challengers in the weight class. Jan is extremely fundamental fighter with strong and quick hands while he isn't a slouch on the ground either. He's extremely lethal standing up and the solid boxing style enables him to draw opponents within his range and that is how you make them sleep. He has only two losses in his career but he has many big scalps in his closet from the toughest guys in this division. Hand speed and the textbook fighting style are his real weapons but in his fight against Sterling he showed some weaknesses as well since some of the unorthodox strikes found their ways through Jan's defense and thus made some damage in that fight. Now that he faces a somewhat similar fighter who is especially known for his unorthodox knockouts, he needs to pay attention to what might be coming his way. His opponent, third-ranked Corey Sandhagen, 
has finally earned his spot in the title fight and needs to put on a show in order to clinch that title. He fought against TJ Dillashaw in July and lost the fight with split decision, which made some fans question the decision to let him challenge Jan for the interim title. Nevertheless, here he is and is ready to challenge the Russian Stinger. 14 wins and 3 losses on his belt and 2-2 two and two record from his last 4 matches. Note, he lost to Aljamain in 2020 by first round submission. But after that, he made the headlines with two tremendous knockouts. First, he knocked out Marlon Moraes with spinning heel kick to the head in the second round and a couple months later knocked out Frankie Edgar within 28 seconds with a flying knee. To me, he has the tools and the surprise element to take the title from Jan, but similar to Teixeira, he needs to put his body on the line in order to do that. And longer the match continues, the better chance Jan has of winning the bout between these two warriors. So in conclusion, I would say that if Sandman wants to win this one, he needs to put Jan to sleep, which by the way has proved to be pretty hard. And he has to do it within the first two rounds, or otherwise it is over. Jan is known for his tiring fighting style, and he has the engine to go full five rounds if need be. That gives the advantage to Jan, and so I'm going to say that this fight will end in the fourth round via TKO, and the winner is going to be better Jan. But seriously, don't sleep on Sandman. He has some aces up in his sleeves. Next up, rest of the main card. In the last non-main event fight, the 5th ranked Islam Makachev and 6th ranked Dan Hangman Hooker face in the lightweight division. This is another highly anticipated matchup as Makachev has climbed the lightweight rankings with ease in recent years. Habib Nurmagomedov's protege has made a name for himself and is now only a couple of fights away from title contention. If you look at his record, you can see that this guy doesn't lose very often. And if you're talked in the same sentence as Habib, your ground game has to be pretty special. And so it is. Nine wins with submission in 20 fights and last two fights against Drew Dober and Thiago Moises came via rear naked and arm triangle jokes, so we have to wait and see what is up next. He isn't elite while standing up, but once you get to the ground, there is no way out, and the takedowns are fairly lethal, if I might say so. The 30-year-old is bound for a title fight, but we have to wait and see what happens inside the division in the next coming months, as Oliveira, Poirier and Gaethje are bound to fight as well, which might shake things up a bit in the lightweight division. His opponent, Kiwi Dan Hooker, continues his comeback to the top of the lightweight division after a win against Nasrat Bagbarast in late September. 3-2 and two overall record from his last five matches isn't admirable, but when you see that he lost to Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, you understand that he still is some ways away from the title contention. 
The opposition isn't any easier this time around, and it might end up being a short tilt between these two if Hooker isn't able to keep the fight off the ground. He has a noticeable reach advantage over Mahachev, and thus his biggest weapon is to keep things standing, because honestly, he won't survive on the ground, plain and simple. Mahachev is the clear-cut favorite in this match, and I just can't see a situation where Hooker leaves the octagon as the winner. That's why I'm very confidently saying that this fight will end in the second round via submission, but the fight could easily be over even earlier if Hooker ends up on his back. Nevertheless, submission win for Mahachev and the top three spot is captured. Another Polish fighter steps into the octagon in the main card. When 8th-ranked Marcin Tubura faces up against 5th-ranked Russian Alexander Drako-Volkov. Tubura has been climbing up the rankings relatively quickly and has two TKO wins over Greg Hardy and Walt Harris in his previous two fights. But now it is time to face an actual top 5 contender in the heavyweight division. Drago, on the other hand, is still one of the top strikers in the heavyweight division and still desires to one day wear the division title on his waist. He suffered a defeat in his last fight against the current interim champion Cyril Gane, but Volkov's reach and kickboxing ability are extremely dangerous weapons when he steps into the octagon. Dubura showed some crabbling ability in his last fight against Harris, but I fully expect this fight to end standing up. But if Volkov's stand-up game becomes too much to handle, he could use some grappling to his advantage. All in all, I see this fight ending one way, and that is a knockout. So my prediction is Volkov via TKO in the first round. In the penultimate main card fight, we have a welterweight division bout between two upcoming fighters. 11th ranked Chinese Li Jialing and unranked Russian Kamjad Zhimayev. This is another exciting matchup, so let's see how these two match up against each other. Jemayev was expected to take on Leon Edwards in 2020, but after contracting coronavirus in December 2020, the fight was cancelled because of lingering symptoms, and thus now makes his comeback against the Chinese fighter. He has 9-0 record coming into this fight and is known for a strong ground game and strong finishing ability. All of his fights have ended before the full time and he was riding a serious hype train before his diagnosis. Many, me included, are expecting a very strong comeback and without any lingering health issues should be in the top 10 in no time. Very excited to see him back in the octagon and you should expect to see an absolute fireworks show on his part. Jin Liang, on the other hand, comes to this fight with strong comeback victory over Santiago Bonsibiu after suffering loss to Neil Magny in 2020. 18-6 record isn't anything to write home about and he faces a real challenge in this bout and so far the biggest challenges he has faced have equal to losses, so there's something for him to prove here. He has strong all-around skills, but will that be enough against one of the rising stars in this weight class? We have 
to wait and see. Jemayev is the clear cut favorite in this fight and thus I'm going to predict a first round stoppage for the Russian. Jin Liang is a strong opponent but I feel like Jemayev will overwhelm the Chinese and to take his spot in the top 10 after a year-long absence. Let's head to last main card fight between the 7th ranked light heavyweight Magomed Angalayev and 8th ranked Volkan Özdemir. Another Dagestani fighter in the top 10. Does it surprise you? Yeah, me neither. But this time, alongside strong wrestling pedigree, Angalayev possesses good stand-up skills as well, and has 9 knockout wins in his 16 matches. 15-1 record and decision win over another top 10 ranked Nikita Krylov in his previous fight. Not spectacular in any certain aspect, but very strong in all aspects of the MMA. Makes a strong package when it comes to contending for the light heavyweight title. And the guy is only 29 years old, so... He has a lot more to give than we've seen so far. Özdemir, on the other hand, is the more experienced fighter of these two, with 22 fights under his belt. He makes his return to the octagon after almost one and a half year break from fighting, and his previous match ended in a loss against title contender Yiri Prohachka in July 2020. Özdemir's bread and butter is his kickboxing, and he still possesses dangerous stand-up game, which could end the fight in any given night. Powerful hands force opponents to respect him, and even though he is the underdog in this fight, he has the tools to end the fight in a quick fashion. After all, he has wins over other tough light heavyweights, Alexander Rakic, Ilir Latifi, and Jimmy Manua. But when he has faced a top contender, he has bent and that's why I'm expecting a TKO win for Angalayev in the second round. This has the potential to go full 15 minutes, but for now, I'm going to say that stoppage win for Angalayev. And before we move to next week's fight card, let's predict the outcome of Makwan Amerikani's preliminary fight against English Leron Murphy. Maku faces up against another proven striker and... I'm predicting pretty tough fight for him once again. Three losses in his last four fights and is starting to fade away from the UFC picture. The lack of stand-up game is his biggest weakness and if he can't take the fight to the ground, he's always in big trouble. Murphy has very strong kickboxing background and currently holds a clean record in the professional scene. Two wins and one draw in his three UFC bouts and honestly, another knockout is waiting to happen. He has lightning fast hands while he isn't especially known for his ground game. But like we've seen in previous Maquan's matches, the problem isn't in the ground game, but more so his insufficient stand-up game and poor takedown offense. At this point, you need to acknowledge the fact that he isn't a threat in the stand-up game, so the takedowns need to be on point in this fight. Murphy will knock the dust off the shelf if he doesn't focus on his strengths, and he needs to get the fight on the ground with any means necessary. But since you start each round standing up, I'm predicting stoppage in the first round. 
Murphy will take advantage of Maquan's weaknesses and get closer to the top 15 contention in the featherweight division. That pretty much wraps up the most notable fights of this weekend and you could say that it is one of the most anticipated fight cards this autumn. Many top tier fights and few significant comebacks inbound so at least I'm expecting very exciting event in Abu Dhabi. Let's see if Makwan can turn things around but by the looks of it he has a tough evening ahead of him and the mix of heavy hitting big boys and explosive lightweights bring an exciting element to this card. But now that we've covered this week's event let's take a look at next week's card because once again we have two division titles on the line in two very anticipated rematches of 2021. As I said, two belts on the line in the UFC 268 and one very anticipated fight between two top title contenders in the lightweight division. But first, let's look at the prelims. In the prelims, we unfortunately don't have that many notable fights, but few names that stand out are Al Raging Ayaquinta and Alex Pereira. Pereira is interesting in a sense that he will make his UFC debut next week and is the only fighter who has been able to knock out Israel Adesanya in his career. The knockout came in 2017 so that doesn't have any weight on it anymore but nevertheless the name stuck out to me because of this exact fact. Ayaquinta though will face Bobby Green in this fight after two crueling losses to Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Dan Hooker. Ayaquinta has fallen off the face of the earth when it comes to his ranking and last time he stepped into the octagon was in 2019 when he faced Hooker. In 2020 Ayaquinta faced Mike Perry in Jail Sonnen's submission underground which explains the absence from the UFC. Other than that he doesn't bring anything major to the event and goes into the fight as an underdog but we'll see how successful his comeback ends up being. But in the main card we have few very very juicy matchups. First main card fight is between 8th ranked bantamweight veteran Frankie Edgar and 13th ranked Marlon Chito Vera. Edgar is in the end part of his career and seizes the opportunity to get back to top 5 to challenge for the title one more time. He changed the bantamweight division in 2020 and after winning Pedro Munoz in his debut he suffered a KO loss to Corey Sandhagen in last February. Now he tries to get back to winning ways but the challenge won't be easy this time around either. Marlon Vera bounced back in his previous fight against David Grant and is looking for a win to boost him into the top 10 of this weight class. 17 wins and 7 losses in his career and his performances have fluctuated tremendously as you can probably tell from his record. Vera earned fight of the night bonus from his last match against Grant and in 2020 he beat the upcoming challenger Sean O'Malley so there should be something to look for once these two step into the octagon. Even though the former lightweight champion heads to the fight as the underdog, 
I'm predicting a win for the season veteran. We didn't get to see him against Sandhagen for very long, so I expect to see him in full action against Vera. So winner, Frankie Edgar by unanimous decision. Next up, we have Shane Burgos against Billy Guarantillo in the featherweight division. And to be honest, I don't have anything else to say about this fight then. This is going to be a show. This fight screams stoppage as both guys are known for go big or go home mentality. And thus, I'm going to say win for Guarantillo via TKO in the second round. Let's move to the main attractions. First one being Michael Chandler against Justin Gaethje. Boy oh boy do we have an exciting fight in front of us. The All-American bout in the lightweight division between two ruthless challengers. Chandler came out of the gates with impressive first round TKO against Dan Hooker in his UFC debut but lost to Charles Oliveira in a championship match on May 15th. Now he is back in action and facing one of the top dogs of the division. The former Bellator champion is extremely well-rounded fighter, but in this fight he doesn't have the upper hand in any department since his opponent holds strong credentials in both wrestling and stand-up game. His previous fight against the champ was very exciting one to watch and even though he lost the fight Chandler showed that he belongs in the top 5 of this division. He connected with heavy uppercut which stunned Oliveira badly but he ended up surviving the barrage from Chandler and knocked him out in the second round. It was a closer match than many people think and to me Chandler was clearly the better fighter in the first round. Now he faces another tough challenger and it will be an absolute fireworks show from start to finish. Gechi, on the other hand, returns to the octagon after a year-long break from fighting, after his most recent loss to Habib Nurmagomedov in 2020. Before that, he climbed the lightweight standings by winning Edson Barboza, Donald Cerrone and Tony Ferguson, and is looking to continue right where he left off before the loss. Gaethje, one of the best wrestlers in the division, doesn't shy away from taking the fight to the ground, but more so is known for his relentless knockouts in recent years. After his two losses to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, he has found another gear to his game and belongs to the elite of this weight class. The fight against Tony El Cucuy Ferguson proved his skills and no one can doubt that he wouldn't challenge for the title in the near future. But in order to that to happen, he needs to win the ever dangerous Chandler on his way to the title fight. If you ask me, you shouldn't judge the guy based on his previous match against Habib, because Habib is on a planet of his own, plain and simple. That's exactly why I expect to see the most entertaining fight of this card between these two warriors. And I'm going to predict fight of the night performance and a stoppage in the second round. Who will take this one? I'm going to say that Gaethje will take this one, even though I would love to see Chandler 
in the championship bout against Oliveira. Anything could happen though, so this is the fight you absolutely must see. You can quote me on that. Then to the co-main event. Title on the line and two of the division's toughest women facing each other for the second time this year. Former champ Zhang Weili facing up against current champion Rose Namajunas. How the fight ended last time? First round knockout via head kick. Can we expect to see something similar this time around? Absolutely. Both women are ruthless inside the cage and won't hold anything back once the bell rings for the first time. The two-time champion Namajunas has been on top of the division for some time now and wants to retain his title without questions. Whaley though has only lost twice in his career and was expected to win the first one, according to many fans, me included. This time though, the plate is clean and both have been preparing months to be in top shape for this title fight. Both women have stand-up credentials to their names, but the fight could go to the ground as well, since both have submission wins on their belt as well. Whaley possesses a very technical stand-up style, while Namanjuna's power is something to look for. With that knowledge, you can only expect this fight to end fairly quickly. Whaley wants to settle the score, but is she able to accomplish that? We have to wait and see. Extremely intriguing fight once again, and perfect for keeping the tempo up before we head to the ruthless main event rematch. When it comes to predicting this fight though, I'm fully expecting Wei Li to reclaim the title after all is said and done. Don't get me wrong, Namanjunas is extremely dangerous and knows what is needed to win these significant fights, but what I saw in their previous match before it ended, I believe that Wei Li will be crowned as the champion once again this weekend. Like I said, don't turn your TV off after Gagey versus Chandler, because this one as well will bring the fireworks. I guarantee you that. But then we have the extremely anticipated welterweight title fight, where USA's own Colby KS Covington faces up against the champ, the Nigerian nightmare, Kamaru Usman. Get your popcorn ready, because... This is going to be a war. December 14th, 2019, UFC 235, Usman vs. Covington in Las Vegas, Nevada. Usman was defending his belt for the first time after beating the former welterweight champion Tyron Woodley. 50 seconds left in the fifth round and referee stops the contest after Usman landed stiff 1-2 which shook Covington and few seconds later connected with Cross which put Covington to his knees. The fight was an absolute war and you better get your inhaler ready because this fight will bring you to the edge of your seat. Covington comes to this fight with 16-2 record and a year ago faced the former champion Tyrone Woodley in Vegas and won the bout via TKO. 
The only L he has taken in his UFC career is the one against Usman and he is ready to claim that debt once the octagon door closes on Saturday. All-around fighter who has the gas tank and the chin strength to go full 25 minutes as we saw against Usman in their previous fight. He has strong resume with wins over such names as Max Griffin, Demian Maia, Rafael Dos Anjos, Robbie Lawler and most recently Woodley. Stand-up is a strong suit while he isn't afraid to go to the ground if need be, but let me assure you this isn't going to come to that. It is going to be Stand and Bang City, baby. The champ, on the other hand, is the current pound-for-pound leader, and for a good reason. Zero losses in the UFC, and the recent wins have come against such names as Damian Maya, Rafael Dos Anjos, Tyron Woodley, Jorge Masvidal, twice, Gilbert Burns, and Covington himself. One of my absolute favorites in the sport without a doubt, based on his never back down mentality, all around skills and the ability to dominate the ongoing events in the octagon, fight in and fight out. One of the most complete athletes in the sport and even one of the most dominant champions in the UFC, period. This could become a fight of the year since both guys showed why you should stick around to see what they have in store for their rematch. And now it is just around the corner. Usman has 9 knockout wins on his record and even though he possesses extreme power, he stays cool and collected even though he stutters the opponents. We chose the maturity to not relentlessly go after knockouts. And more so, he trusts the process and takes all the mental and physical strengths of the opponent with this tireless fighting style. And did I mention that he most likely possesses the largest gas tank in the sport as well? Colby, you are part of the show this weekend. And hopefully you've done some cardio because you go need it, brother. If Dana White one day decided that the UFC was going to change to eight five-minute rounds, that wouldn't probably change anything in Usman's game, because that guy is an absolute animal. Body fat, probably minus 2%, endless cast tank, extremely heavy jab, tiring fighting style, and above all, stylish as f***. What else do you need? I'm so gassed for this fight, you have no idea. Hopefully we don't run into any inconveniences because these guys deserve the full 25 minutes and boy I will tell you, you won't be disappointed. My prediction. If you want to win some money, bet on Colby. But if you don't want to lose any, just bet on Usman, please. He will dominate the octagon once again. And we are going to see another display of championship level fighting this weekend. This time the fight will end sooner. So let's say TKO in the third round. Fair enough. Alright, bet. Hopefully last full time because of entertainment purposes. But 
I expect Usman to take this one without a shadow of a doubt. But as I said, be prepared for a war. And that's how I'm going to end it. And before we end the episode, let's see what our former champs are up to. How's it going, John Jones and Conor McGregor? Well, the same old battery allegations and domestic violence. What's new? Like, come on, man. Seriously. Two faces of the franchise and this is the level of humanity they show. I'm lost for words. Just about a week ago, Italian DJ Francesco Facinetti told the news that he had suffered multiple injuries because of unprovoked attack from the former double champ McGregor. But the story didn't end to that. Facinetti told media that he was going to press charges against McGregor and said that world needed to know that he was a dangerous individual. And this claim was only forced even further this week when McGregor responded to Tony Ferguson's tweet about him, saying that the only thing left to do for him was to kill one of these rats inside the ring, meaning one of his former opponents who spoke to him even after the losses. Seemingly, the Notorious is starting to seriously lose it. And probably he has realized that he doesn't have a future in the UFC anymore after losing twice to Dustin Poirier and once to Habib Nurmagomedov and, to be honest, with quite large margins. Once a great fighter has plummeted and the fame has clearly taken a toll on him, which is at the same time very sad but also disgusting And this wasn't his first ride when it comes to unprovoked attacks on civilians. He has been on the edge his whole career when it comes to dealing with media and his opponents. But now that that exact anger and unpredictability has transferred to civilian world, it just needs to stop. Or it will be stopped. He has faced multiple lawsuits during his time on the bright lights, but seriously now he is starting to lose the grip big time. I wouldn't be surprised if Dana White booked him another fight for next year, based on the fact that he has been probably the most influential figure to the sport and has raised UFC's value exponentially with his presence. But if you look at this from a humane perspective, I think that would be enough for me to say Okay, but that's it. You have some things to figure out and I'm not going to let you into the gauge. These things just can't be overshadowed and swept under the rug when there are civilians involved. And oh, by the way, did I also mention that he almost got into a fight with Machine Gun Kelly at the BMAs? And that was a week before the main incident. Plus, not to rub any salt into the wounds, but you might remember also the allegations towards Poirier's wife. You're starting to finally get me. Good. We are finally on the same wavelength. I think his time is over regarding the UFC, and to be honest, I'm worried about him, because these cases have only increased in a short amount of time. So hopefully nothing serious happens. Just saying.
And unfortunately, I have to end this episode on a sad note since unfortunately the news concerning John Bones Jones are not any brighter than the ones regarding Connor. Even worse. You're probably aware of his past, the legal substance cases, DUI charges and hit and run incident. But if you don't, you should seriously check them out so that you get some background to his colorful history as the light heavyweight champion. But if those weren't enough, now you are seriously going to shake your head. Because this is just unacceptable. About three weeks ago, Jones was arrested in Las Vegas after an incident caused in the Caesars Palace Hotel. Police arrived to the scene after receiving a domestic disturbance call from the hotel and arrested the former champion outside of the building. Jones resisted the arrest and caused some damage to the patrol car during his detention. But the real story here was that he had laid hands on his fiancée inside their hotel room. Absolutely disgusting. Like, imagine... 193 centimeter, 93 kilogram world champion coming at you. And the worst thing isn't the fact that he's so huge, but the fact that he's an elite kickboxer. I'm just out of words. I lost my respect very fast after the incident was posted online. And by the way, this happened just hours after he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. Her fiancé had suffered some injuries to her face and was bleeding when she met with the police. Jones hasn't released any official statements regarding the incident and faces a court hearing in the next coming weeks. What will happen to the youngest UFC champion ever and which way he chooses to take after another huge L outside the octagon? And almost every time you think that Jones has things figured out after these incidents, he ends up in a worse situation than he was before that, and it seems to be a never-ending cycle. It is just sad to see these crates crumbling outside of the cage, and you have to remember that these two have been the faces of the franchise for almost a decade now. Hopefully we get something positive from these two, for change, but the way things have been piling up, we can only hope these sort of things are in the past. Nevertheless, I wanted to include these headlines because, as I said, these are the big names of the sport, and you never hope to see these kind of headlines regarding the top athletes in the world, but they unfortunately happen. Also, as I don't cover the UFC on a monthly basis, I wanted to give you a heads up regarding the biggest headlines of the sport, but I will assure you that I will be covering the rest of the major fight cards during the last few months. So don't worry, you are going to get the memos. But as I said, unfortunately we had to end the episode on a sad note, but remember that we are going to see absolutely stacked cards in back-to-back weekends so get your smile on because we are in for a ride 
Only a small section of NHL this week, but let's see if we can figure out to include some more next week, one way or another. Plus, I have to warn you beforehand that I'm most likely going to have to skip one week because of intensified studies, multiple exams and projects during the next couple of weeks, so just a heads up. So that you know that I ain't going to stop uploading, but the real ones already know that. But I think that is enough for this week. I'm very stoked for the upcoming two weekends, as I've probably said multiple times in this episode, but I feel like I can't overemphasize the magnitude of these two weekends. Okay, now I've said everything I wanted. Have an awesome weekend, you beast. And don't skip the 267. Or you're going to be disappointed. Me included. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate your time. So once again, thank you. Hope you enjoyed. As always, stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. Alright.